Hello, Marvelites. You're listening to Marvel's Pull List for new Marvel Comics on sale June 28, 2023. I'm Ryan Pedagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Jasmine Estrada. The M stands for Micromax. Yes, poor tiny no, little... No poor. No poor. He's not... No. No. <laughs> I know. hate him. We do hate him. We do hate our Micromax. You have no idea what we're talking about. Go read Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain, because uh, Micromax is a ding-dong, and he deserves it. Sure is. Deserves it. Uh, but yes, we are going to talk about some comics, get through a whole bunch of stuff. We got a fun show for you because this is the official Marvel podcast for Marvel Comics, where we give you some details and reasons to check out every new comic every week, specifically our three personal picks for the week. Then you can go read the rest of the books and we'll tell you all a bit about them by giving them each an award based off of a quote pulled from one of this week's comics. We'll get into that later. And then we've got new Infinity Comics hitting Marvel Unlimited, some other books in MU collections and so much more, including a reading club. Yes, we're going to be talking to Josh Trujillo, uh, who wrote an amazing Love Unlimited story starring Aaron Fisher, a.k.a. the Captain America of the Railways. I love this book. We're going to get into it. I truly did not expect it to go the way that it did, but I have so many questions for uh, Josh when we get to our reading club today. The ending. I was like, whoa, we're doing all this? I'm very excited. Yeah. Yeah. Same. It was great. We're getting into it. It's uh, really good. Shout outs to Love Unlimited for being... Just fantastic. Uh, But we're going to get into all that later. Right now, let's get into our picks of the week. I'm going to kick us off with my first pick of the week, which is, uh, was a little surprising to you, a Star Wars book. I'm picking Star Wars Darth Vader, black, white, and red, number three. This has been really good. Really, really good the entire time, but this one just crushes it's got three stories and it's the third part of uh a story written by jason aaron and art by leonard kirk with romulo fajardo doing the colors and it gives me my favorite vader that terrifying vader the one who does not speak he destroys even while unable to literally unable to move he still destroys a building enemies all kinds of stuff and then the end of that story the visual that leonard kirk puts together is so good it's nuts i love how your favorite darth vader is like the evil one as opposed to what the nice one the, the really cool like hey let's let's all have drinks and you know tell stories well, around a campfire there, there's been really good stuff in in greg pox vader run right like where yes. you're getting a lot of characterization you're getting him and going back and forth and who he is and all this evil stuff and working with um the handmaidens and stuff but this is vader just being a monster yeah nothing for his enemies to work off of and i love that part i like that like terrifying possibility then the second story is by just the amazing daniel warren johnson he writes it draws it colors it does the whole kit and caboodle God, he's so freaking good. I can't handle it. Uh, His, like, it's a Darth Vader story of Vader in a space dogfight versus rebels. And the rebels are just trying, like, there's a point where, like, did our families make it? They're trying to get their families away and get them safe. And it's, it's Vader going after all of them, going after the, the transport with their families. It is bananas there's a double page vertical spread in this issue where so normally when you open up and you have a double page spread it's it's wide but then you would turn it so so it's it's vertical and it is so gorgeous there are three words spoken by vader in this second story just three none in the first three in this one and it, it it's an impactful powerful thing um, I want to give shout out also to Daniel Warren Johnson, who got some attention years ago for like a fan, a Star Wars fan comic called Green Leader. Uh, that, I think that was the first time I heard about him or saw his work. And to and like when I as soon as I saw his name in here, I was like, oh, hell yeah. I was like, did we just pull Green Leader? But no, it's it's different, but it's got some of those vibes. You could tell he's having so much fun and he's got a nasty, nasty side to him when he just the things that he does. The, oh, that spread. I'm going to be thinking about that double page spread for a long time. It's great. Really, really good. Uh, and then the third story is written by my friend Mark Barnardin and art by Stefano Raffaelli and colors by Andres Mosa. And it's called 
diplomatic impunity. It is very, very cool as you see Vader going with another uh, member of the Empire on a trip. And you're getting her captions, her narration of what's going on. And it, like the story as you're going through is like a almost like a uh, like hands closing around a neck of mm. like uh, a, you're going into a bottleneck. You can feel the things closing in the claustrophobia, not in the like realistic claustrophobic sense, but like a an emotional vibe, a sort of the, the intensity of this book. And there's as, as Vader's going after these people and this is Mark also just letting loose with how powerful Vader could be. Like he's just blowing up Bill. He's like force eviscerating everything. If you want to see Vader unleashed, this is that. And then there's one point where the, the people that he's sort of going after say, there is no plan for Vader. You can make plans. You could do all this stuff, but you can't plan for Vader, someone who could do almost anything and could destroy you in a whim and, and all this stuff. It's wild. The four, that final story showed like physical power, but then the psychological power of what Vader brings to the story, to Star Wars, to the lore. Ugh, it's so good. I, If you're not a Vader fan, if you're not a Star Wars fan, it's still really great comics. But if you are, whew, hell yeah, get into it. All right, next up is my pick of the week, which is absolutely no shock to anybody who's been listening <laughs> to this podcast for the past three months, but it is Deadpool issue number eight. Alyssa Wong, I don't know how they just keep one-upping themselves because they just continue to blow expectations out of the water each issue. Like, I'm like, okay, I think I got a good vibe for this book. No, they still continue to surprise me. But this book, again, is written by Alyssa Wong with art by Luigi Zagaria. We have colors by Matt Mila. And then we have letters by VC's Joe Sabino. This book opens up with one of the text pages that we get, you know, throughout the X books. Um, and it's an email from Cable to Deadpool, aka Wade Wilson. And he says, Wade, I've been keeping tabs on the kid, just like you asked. She's doing all right. Her grades are good. Her family is as good as they can be. They're settling in. You should write to her. I'm serious. I know you think she doesn't want to see you or know you, but you need to give her the chance to make her own decision instead of beating yourself up and hiding from your responsibility. If you can forgive yourself enough to do it, then do it for her. And that sets the whole tone for this book. Um, because up until this point in this run, we haven't seen anything from Ellie. We haven't really heard from her. We kind of just like know of her in the background. But from where we last left her in the previous runs, we know that she's kind of just like off, you know, safe away from Deadpool and like Deadpool's misadventures, very much being protected. Her mom has passed away. And so like Deadpool's kind of just, you know, giving her a chance to grow up without any of the complications of having a superhero vigilante father um, who is Deadpool. And as we continue opening this book and, we, and you continue reading the story, you start noticing that things are off, right? Like Wade wakes up and he sees himself in the mirror without any of the scars or any of the crazy, like, you know, skin damage that he has that we're, we're familiar with. And he like walks out of his room. He sees his daughter. His daughter is like really happy to see him. He's like, she wakes him up for breakfast. And as he goes to the kitchen, he sees that, you know, his friends are all just hanging out for Saturday morning pancakes. Like Cable is making pancakes. We have Wolverine and Spidey and Domino all at the table just hanging out, eating pancakes with Ellie. And it's like what would seem like a utopia for Deadpool, right? It's just his buddies and his daughter all hanging out, having a good time. No bad guys. It's all great. Uh, but obviously something's wrong because this has not been the story that we've been following throughout these issues. And as we continue, Deadpool starts questioning, like, where is Princess? Where's my, like, you know, dog slash daughter that is also a symbiote? <laughs> uh, where is Valentine, his current, like, love interest? And as the story continues, we start figuring out that this is just another plot to kill Deadpool from the assassins team that has set out to kill him throughout this run. And it is brutal. Like, it, it sounds pleasant at first, and it's funny. It's hilarious. Like, some of these gags in here, like, I was telling Ryan before we started recording, I don't know how Alyssa is getting away with some of these. Like, <sighs> every interaction between each one of these four characters has these, like, innuendos. It has this, like, undertone of, like, 
I don't know, like if you ship any of these characters, like you'll get a kick out of this issue <laughs> because he's very flirty with all four of them. But this is like where you don't mess with Deadpool. You can try to kill him as much as you want, but the minute you start messing with his family and including his daughter, like it's going to get real messy real fast. And mm. I think that's the thing that I love about this issue is it balances humor with this strong emotional story. The way this issue ends left me just destroyed and i was like damn you like damn you Alyssa! like how dare you do this to me like you trojan horse this like hard for me like you very much were like here's like this fun witty sexy book and all of a sudden it's like that's also gonna crush your hopes and dreams and good luck recovering from this for the next month uh see you then but i adored it i think this is a huge like flex in terms of like the skills that Alyssa Wong has in terms of as a writer and no other comic from Alyssa has made me this excited for their upcoming run on Captain Marvel because it's going to be a doozy. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. I know. I want more all the time. And thankfully, we'll be getting more. But we also have a third pick of the week, which is X-Men Before the Fall Heralds of Apocalypse number one. This is a one shot. This is a big one, which is written by Al Ewing, art by Luca Pizzari, Stefano Landini, and Rafael Pimento, with colors by Cici de la Cruz, and lettering and production by VC's Travis Lanham. The book opens on this panel of Apocalypse, meditating kind of in midair, he's sitting crisscross applesauce, over a pile of dead demons. And like, that's the vibe of this book. That's the vibe of, of Apocalypse. And I know we should call him by his Krakoan name, but like, I don't know how to pronounce that. But we go into this and we're, we're getting into a lot of philosophy here of Apocalypse and Apocalypse's wife, Genesis, and their thoughts on things. They, they haven't been seen in quite a long time. We saw Genesis last week in the X-Books and this ties right into that. But we haven't seen them since Ten of Swords. And like we're getting us here in this issue where they've been, what's been going on. But on top of that, we're getting like their their history and their history, again, involves a lot of philosophy about what they're what they are, what they're doing. There's a great conversation point in here that I liked where Apocalypse Apocalypse is talking about how, yes, I, I have been named this and that is good for like the end, blah, blah, blah. But my Krakoan name, the, the thing that we can't say it more so means revelation and like it's a cool way to still have apocalypse but sort of rethink what his place is because the apocalypse we've known in the Krakowin era is not necessarily it, it is a continuation exploration and evolution of the big bad apocalypse the you know survival of the fittest apocalypse of days of yore and i think what has been done with him over the last couple of years even even though he's been out of the spotlight for like two years that's wild it's really really cool i know right it's it's got to be like two years i don't remember offhand when it was but like it's so good and getting to see where he is in this is really fantastic we're we're seeing him talking to genesis and then you're getting genesis point of view and how the two of them not necessarily how they fell in love but why they've been together what has sort of connected them and how they're kind of differing viewpoints and ways that they approach things and sometimes similar methods have brought them together but also how the breaking of Okara, which turned into Arako and Krakoa, how that split them apart as well in multiple ways, in multiple times. It's really interesting stuff. I There's a lot of lore in here. It's it's one that probably will benefit from multiple reads. Yes. Everybody, yeah, you can attest to that. I had to read this at least twice to absorb it all because there's a lot of information here, but it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, we get to see them naming their children and, and like <laughs> their children are famine, war, pestilence, and death. And I was like, I was thinking about this. I was writing my notes. I was like, who names their children this? What, what kind of parents are they? And then right after that, you get Apocalypse talking about the love that they share for these children and what these names mean. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how you and you son of a I bitch. I know. 
I was just about to say that. I was like, Al, leave it to Al Ewing to somehow justify naming a child yes. famine and death. Like, yes. I was just like, damn. So beautiful. I, the, the idea kind of here is like Apocalypse, basically like John Wick in a way, he had peace. Right. And then Charles Xavier had to kill his dog. Like, how dare you? <laughs> in a sense, yes. It's wild. <laughs> and like, he became the nightmare that we knew because of the events that we're learning about in this book during the Krakoan age. But the peace was all he wanted. Ugh. And like, this issue somehow made Apocalypse even cooler kind of scarier, but also more relatable and sadder. And uh, I love it. I love this book. That is it for our picks of the week. We have to move on to the rest of our comics. But before we do that, we need to talk about the award. Ryan, last week, we Mm. gave out the Never Let Your Doctor Date Your Ex Award. And it came from I Am Iron Man, issue number four. And I love our boys. We talk about Murwa, Ayudele, and Dota Nakande because we've been a fan of theirs since, you know, they started writing for us way back in A Moon Knight Story, which is crazy to think now that they are writing an Iron Man book. But they emailed us saying, you know, they answered a lot of our questions when we were talking about their book, but they love the fact that we pulled a quote from their book um, as the quote of the week. They got a kick out of that. But I think the thing that was really fascinating to hear from was... When we, when we talked about I Am Iron Man issue number four, we talked about the Dexter's Laboratory, like Easter egg, and whether or not that was something that they like, you know, put in there or was something that was already in there. But they, they said that they were supremely happy that you noticed our Dexter's Labs references. It was one of our favorite shows growing up and probably primed our young minds to have an affinity for genius characters like Tony Stark and Doctor Strange. Heck yeah. Thank you, fellas. And our winner this week is Paul Warren, who found it first and also expressed like many of you, his excitement for what's to come with Ultimate Invasion and beyond. It's going to be so good. Stay tuned, stay tuned, stay tuned. All right, uh, some other honorable mentions and shout-outs. Shouts to Max Lorem at my own underscore of voice who says, uh, is it doctor or daughter? I guess in both cases you wouldn't want them to date your ex, but what do you think would be worse? Um, oh, you don't want your doctor to date your ex or your daughter to date your ex daughter. Truly. There's a lot of questions going on there. Um, we also had some shout outs from the previous week that, uh, it just because they came in sort of after we recorded, could not make it in shouts to Aaron who found the Wolverine number 34 quote with a Frank Miller homage variant. Good pick. Aaron, Aaron says, I've been collecting for over 30 years and have over 10,000 comic books. My local shop is Samurai Comics in Phoenix. Great shop. Uh, Craig Stone is reading Wolverine and says, loving the book, loving the show. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Craig. Salvatore Michiki shouts out their comic shop, Pulp Fiction, in Long Beach, California. Thank you for that. Please, 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 if you want to take part or if you just want to get a shout out, get your name heard on the podcast. It's all good. Let us know. Send them our way. Of course, of course, that would mean you'd have to know what the award name is. So, Jason, what is this week's award name? Usually my favorite line from any comic book, which is, this is a team book now? <laughs> it's a good one, and I'm sure many of you will find it. So if you find this is a team book now, because you got to say it with that inflection, find the, the quote, screen cap it, and tweet it to at Agent M and at Jasmiest, or hit us up on Instagram, those same names, with the hashtag Marvel's Pull List, or email us at pulllist at marvel.com. If you're the first, I'll reach out to you, get your recent digital comic of your choice, and please mark your messages as okay to read pull list so we can read them here on the show. And if you have a local comic shop, Please give us their name and location so we can give them a shout out. But if you're not the first to find the quote, we've got another way for you to win. We've teamed up with Marvel Insider to score you some Marvel Insider points just for listening to this podcast. After you're done listening to the show, make sure you head over to marvel.com slash insider and look for the Marvel's pull list quote of the week activity there. All you have to do is pick the correct quote of the week from this episode. Uh, You'll be asked to choose from four different options. Choose correctly, and you'll earn those 500 Marvel Insider points. Yeah. All right, let's give out some awards to the rest of our books this week, starting with Alien number three. Um, There's a badass moment where there's a dude here, and he's like, tape up my face, Doc. Like, I can recognize that this guy is fully toxic masculinity personified but he's also super badass and like a, an 80s action star 
Yeah, I, I'm going to give my This is a Team Book Now award to this whole book because it feels like a perfect alien story. It is. I, I, I want this as a complete um, collection because it just feels right. It feels good. All right, next up is Amazing Spider-Man issue number 28. And I'm going to go ahead and give my This is a Team Book Now award to Ed McGinnis, who draws oh. an incredible full-page spread. <sighs> Of this just like devastating looking J. Jonah Jameson holding a shopping cart full of Doc Ock's old arms. And uh, also really want to quickly shout out Lucas Vernack's uh, final Pride variant cover of this issue, which is a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous black hat dancing variant cover. So, yeah. Um, Also, the letters page has a marriage proposal. So (gasps) it's so cute. Congrats. I hope they said yes. Hopefully. Yeah, I hope they said yes. Yeah, fingers. I, I I would imagine based on the context of the letter in there, but we'll see. All right, we've got Avengers Beyond number four this week. I look, of course, I am giving the this is a team book now award to the bootleg Avengers in this book. There's so many funny moments in here. Uh, there's just some ridiculous conversations. Derek Landy having a great time. There's a shot of She-Hulk sitting on her bootleg. It is really good. There's a little bit of extra business that's happening in that panel. And then fake Thor hurting their back trying to lift Mjolnir is just like this background gag. Like those little things work so well. It's It's really solid. All right, next up is Captain America, Symbol of Truth, issue number 14, and we're done with Cold War, and this is very much like an epilogue to the stories that these two creative teams have been working on. Uh, in this particular issue, we have Tochiana Bucci kind of like putting a, a, an end cap to his his run uh, and kind of putting the characters back in their box, but I think one of the most fascinating things that he's challenged with is having to put Joaquin Torres back to the status quo but i think this is like a very unique way and a very almost like meadow like way to challenge that notion it's like here's something that where we've shown the work and it's like do we actually need to do this like should we um and what if we just leave that decision up to the character himself like what what would he want and i thought that that was very very intriguing yeah All right, we've got Carnage Reigns Omega number one. This is the final issue of the Carnage Reigns uh, crossover, seventh issue. Um, This is the big knockdown drag out. And I'm going to give my This is a Team Book Now award to the big fight, the back and forth battle with Miles and Iron Man versus Cletus. And it is big and nasty. And you have a couple extra characters in there. But really, it's Miles and Iron Man trying to stop the worst of the worst. And it's really good. Zig nails it uh, on every point. Speaking of Cody Ziegler, I reached out to him and I was like, did you just pitch this whole Carnage Range stories just so that we could get Gundam Iron Man? And he was just like, mission accomplished. (laughs) All right. Next up is Daredevil and Echo, issue number two. And I'm going to go ahead and give my... This is a team book now award to the twist that I wasn't expecting. I also I I've been doing a rewatch. I haven't watched the Indiana Jones movies like since I was a kid. I truly do not remember any of them. So I'm, I'm preparing for the new one. And I just watched Temple of Doom uh, over the weekend for Father's Day. And uh, that's what this issue reminded me a lot of. I wasn't huh. expecting the turns that it took uh, when we get these stories told from the past. But I'm like. Wow, that's intense. Also, shout out to Maya Lopez's ancestor who's like, Tommy, just 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 do it. Like, just all you gotta do is sacrifice yourself, bro. Like, <laughs> like, come on now. Just you have to do it willingly. You can't do it forcefully. Come on, man. Just you'll be fine. Up. No big. You'll just be do fine. It. Everything will be everything cool. This is part of it. That's wild. Uh all right. On to Ghost Rider number 15. This is It ruled. It, it ruled. It ruled. It did. It was great. It's really horrific and gruesome there's a point where like the doctor like i love sometimes seeing people getting what they get and someone gets what they get in here but i'm going to give my this is a team book now award to two things one the line i will carry you home i was like oh oh and the fact that we get a kind of sweet ending for a book that also includes flesh-eating demons decapitations gore hell and more it it rules. The book, this book rules. Next up, we have Predator issue number four. And I'm going to, okay, I don't, okay. This book continues to surprise me in the sense that, like, I love the Predator movies. But sometimes I wonder, like, 
can you still have that same level of like suspense build up in a comic book that you can't like do in a film, right? Like, you know, like you start hearing the music, you start seeing like certain reactions, certain sounds. And this book manages to do it, including a certain scene in this book that absolutely surprised me. Like I already knew it was going to happen. But when I flipped and got to the full page spread, I was like, holy And for that, I have to give this entire creative team has been killing it. But I'm going to go ahead and give my this is a team book award to penciler Netho Diaz, who he draws the most scary like expressions on people's faces and like worried like it builds anxiety in me watching his facial expressions in this book. Yeah, for sure. Really solid stuff. Shout outs to our teams doing those alien and predator titles right now. They're really good. Killing it. On to She-Hulk number 14, almost one of our picks of the week because it's uh, like literally if you're going to give me Rainbow Rowell and uh, Andres Genolet She-Hulk, it is going to be up there. We just moved it because we had we, we just a little bit of back and forth, but it is so good. It is a lot of Jen Walters relationship stuff, friendships, relationships, love. Uh, it opens with her and with the Fantastic Four and um johnny ribbing her about scoundrel there's so many <laughs> the way that the way that he's like scoundrel oh, like there's like the a lettering, lettering choice there is so so good yep 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 um and andres draws some of the best facial acting but eye acting in all of comics like the sad face jen that is all over this book just destroyed me this week because she's yes. oh it's it says so much um there's a splash page in here with scoundrel it's like so infuriating you could just kiss him and it's just it's great it's great yeah i i will it's hard to figure out one thing i want to give to this book because they my this is a team book now award i want to give it to everything this book is like perfect uh yes. but there's a dancing scene that is in here that is really good uh, the end of that scene is uh, go read She-Hulk, read She-Hulk, read She-Hulk, read She-Hulk, read She-Hulk. All right. Next up is Silk issue number two. And I'm going to give my this is a team book now award to Emily Kim, who just does like she just continues to do such a great job at character work and building up. I don't want to say they're fringe characters because I feel like Silk has become a lot big, of a bigger player. But like between this and uh, Spider-Gwen. Like, I love the stuff that she's adding to the the world and the tapestry of these characters. And this issue is no different. We start to get some reveals, but I love the meta-ness of this book right now. It's so good. Oh, it's so much fun. And Cindy Moon as a pirate is, like, very much my thing. Cindy Moon as a cow, like a, a Wild West character. Yes. I have lots of feelings. Uh, on to Silver Surfer Ghostlight number five. Uh, there's a word balloon in this issue. That's just three exclamation points, which cracked me up. Uh, it's really good. This is the final issue of this limited series that brings back Al Harper, uh, a character who could have been one and done and gone into the history books, but no, um, has been brought back and has a cool place in the Marvel universe. And, uh, I'm going to give my, this is a team book now to, one to to giving that life that world to this new character where like anyone can take this character and tell more stories like we have this brand new superhero with a yeah. family with a relationship with like all this stuff there's so much here i'm excited for the potential for that and then really most importantly i want to give the award to the last two panels of the book oh. which made me tear up it did. um uh, as a father and i like I, I mentioned this to john jennings the writer because i've been talking to him about something else and and so we, we've gotten you know talking a little bit and I, I just tweeted him and i was he's like this is this is for this one is for the dads and like ah uh, it's good it's, it's really so, good so also the power of jazz the power of jazz yes the power of jazz coltrane give it to me baby i love that i i yeah. played that song while i was reading those yeah. because i was like i need this this just vibe Oof. right now hell yeah Next up is Star Wars Dr. Aphra issue 33. Damn you, Alyssa. Damn you. I <laughs> am so, I'm not, I can't say I'm angry because I'm not shocked, but Ayla Sakura is one of my absolute favorite Jedis in Star Wars. And to see it just be dangled and teased here, um, only to get the revelation that things aren't quite what they seem, which is like obviously not surprised, but 
to see the story play out and to see how this weird like moment in Luke Skywalker's history leading up to Return of the Jedi um, and having him almost confront other Jedis is just fascinating. Like just to see how Alyssa Wong writes both these like Jedi masters from yesteryears, right? We got Jedi masters, uh, Shakti and Aayla Sakura. Um, and to see Luke Skywalker be like, hey, I'm also a Jedi. Like, what's up, fellow Jedi knights? Hi. Like, Alyssa Wong can tell so much in these small stories and um, these small panels. And, like, you can feel the weight of it in here. Um, and also make Luke Skywalker look like a little punk because he's, like... So emo. So emo. So emo. Angsty. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Very cool horror story issue. Um, it's great. Uh, on to storm number two. Uh, shout outs to the variant covers here. Maria Hell Wolf, yeah. Mike Spicer with the like uh, Mohawk Storm looking badass. So and then that, that Adam Kubert, Brad Anderson ultimate variant. Love it. That I, I've always loved Storm's ultimate look. Like those ultimate X-Men looks are very simple, but really, really effective. They work very, very well. Um, this one is wild. This is like there's like three books in this and it's just so much going on storm like getting poetic talking about her powers i love when she does that storm waking up on a beach next to a turtle a seagull and a crab who are like hey girl you okay they don't say that but like that's their vibe and she's like are you she's like talking to them i love that like this feels so pulled from the time period so in, in the best way possible of of when this takes place in that time period of uncanny x-men all right next up is thor issue number 35 which concludes uh torin grunbeck's uh short arc on uh the thor comic i love this story like there's so many things that there's a lot of timey wimey stuff going on here there's so many characters there's so many interactions between characters like i never knew i wanted like doom and hella but i cannot wait for this to be collected because um, I, I just want to read it all in one sitting because it is dense. It has got a lot of mythology and stories in it. Like, I love the the little, like, story that we get here where Odin essentially delivers a message to Thor that he has passed on through Jane Valkyrie. And what we get is, like, this, like, short story about the stories that Odin used to tell Thor and Loki as children and how he interacted with them as a father. It's such a somber moment. Um, but it, it just is such a like character defining like trait um, that is told through such a sweet, sweet little anecdote. And I, I just, I want more, but I truly like if once this is collected, like I cannot recommend it enough for people to go out and pick it up because I think this is going to be one of those runs that like, or one of these arcs that people are going to point back to and be like, there's a lot going on here. And what Torin did for the character and for these, this, this cast of characters is tremendous work. Yeah. Oh, but I want to know more about the eagle and the knife and the spider. That's what I'm saying. And all that stuff. Like I, it, yeah. it starts off with such a like short little like yeah. almost like folktale. And I'm it's like, cool. I want more of this. And Torin, I'm going to give you all the, this is a team book now award uh, because you knocked this story out of the park. Heck yeah. All right, our final new issue of the week is Warlock Rebirth number three. Uh, there's a cool like riff on the Kal-El going to Earth myth in the beginning here. I, I was like, died. Hell yeah, I love it. I I want to know because the there's these very alien looking characters and they have dialogue. I want to know what that dialogue was. Um, and like. It's got to be fun. Uh, you got my favorite Krator, Judge Krator in here in Soul World, in Gem World. Uh, fun Gamora being like surly and stuff like that. Uh, but I will give my this is a team book now award to the Warlock battle. Like them blasting each other. Classic Ron Lim action right it's there. It's so cool. It yeah. made me angry that I didn't have a physical copy of the comic because those pages side by side yeah. was so cool. Also, can I just say that I was really excited when Adam Warlock was like, all right, I'm going to go on this mission alone, guys. Bye. And I'm like, cool. No more Pip the Troll. And then Pip's like, actually, you have to bring me because you need me for X, Y, and Z. And he's just like, you're right. You're coming with. And I'm like, damn it. I thought we were almost done with you. <laughs> yep. There we are. 
Uh, all right, that's it for the new comics. There's a bunch of great collections, so omnibuses and more out. Check your local comic shop over on Marvel Unlimited with Infinity Comics. We got new issues of X-Men Unlimited, Edge of Venomverse Unlimited, Marvel's Voices Runaways, Love Unlimited, Cosmo the Space Dog, but we also have a new arc for Avengers Unlimited by Jeremy Adams, Patch Zercher, and Yala Tartaglia, where it's got Captain America undercover on a seek and destroy mission, but so is Tony Stark, and then they kiss. Probably they don't kiss, but something happens (laughs) and they have to fight. So, get excited. Yes. Um, Also coming to Marvel Unlimited this week is a bunch of new single issues. Check the show notes down below for more on that. But I wanted to quickly highlight that the Women of Marvel collection, uh, issue number one, will be on there starting this week, as well as Doctor Strange issue number one, which is the beginning of Jed McKay's run post the death of Doctor Strange uh, with Doctor Strange returning and Avengers Rage of Ultron Marvel's Tale issue number one, which is a massive story that is in one single issue. Um, that is a trade on its own. So definitely, definitely check that out because it is pretty intense. Heck yeah. All right. That is it for the comics. Now it is time for our reading club. All right, Jasmine, it is time to ride the railways and talk about Aaron Fisher, Captain America, and Love Unlimited with our guest, returning guest, Josh Trujillo. Hello, Josh. Hi, how's it going? It is going great. I'm so excited for this. Ryan, we kind of talked about this while we were doing books this week, but this book shocked me. I really can't wait to dive into the love story of it all, but the the thing that shocked me was how much character development was in this short story um, and how much our boy Aaron has evolved here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, that was a big goal is to give him his bright and shining moment. And I'm so grateful for the Love Unlimited kind of track that they get to tell stories like this. Before we we dive in, can you you give us a little bit of the backstory of how this story came to be, Josh? Yeah. So uh, about two years ago, Christopher Cantwell, Jan Bazaldua, and I co-created the character Aaron Fisher, the Captain America of the Railways. And he debuted in the United States of Captain America number one, uh, alongside a lot of other different Captain Americas, Ariel Abgiani, et cetera. And so, um, you know, when he debuted, he made a big splash. He was like in the news. I don't know if it's a slow news day or what, but he was in on TMZ. He was in Politico. He was in Entertainment Weekly. And there was just like this hunger for the character. And there was... Uh, there's obviously my dreams of what to do with them. And now we're kind of actualizing that in the love unlimited. Did part of that dream involve Aaron Fisher going up to Steve Rogers and telling him he's doing a bad job? I mean, that's his, that's his uh, professor X is a jerk moment for sure. Yes. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's like uh he's kind of a punk kid. Right. And so like he questions authorities, like dealing with stuff and he's, he's as great as Steve and Sam are, he sees like, things that they can't see that they don't see. And he sees ways that, you know, people can be helped. And he's got communities that they just don't have full eyes on. And like you, you feel for Aaron in, in through all this. Um, Yeah. I dug a heck out of it. I I do want to say like, you know, this is a very recent series. Uh, By the time this comes out, it'll have just wrapped. So we've gotten a year of these, these love unlimited stories, um, a year of, you know, sort of romance comics. And it's really fun because this also just ties into things that have been going on in the, the captain America titles. And so one of the, my, the things I really loved was first of all, just seeing the, uh, the Roger Aubrey center and, and how that ties us into all the things that have been going on with, cap with sentinel of liberty and roger aubrey and and his impact on not only steve and sam and sharon but also like kind of a little bit on the legacy that aaron is picking up that that you know it's got to be fun for you to to not just be siloed like it feels like a very specific connection to the great marvel universe yeah a lot of that is spinning out of uh, the work that jackson lanzig and colin kelly did and in their incredible captain america run and they even included aaron uh in one of the issues as well um and so just to feel like aaron is kind of connected to this greater marvel universe um 
yeah, some of these, you know, some of these stories can kind of feel like they are siloed, right? That they are, is this in continuity or whatever? But we're, you know, we're in the thick of it. We're, we're spinning out of events, major events that kind of came from the main series. We were talking about legacy and continuity and all the other characters in the Marvel tapestry, but I love that he gets to interact with other queer teens, other like, you know, LGBTQIA groups in the Marvel universe. And it, and it launches almost this like catalyst for, it is like this catalyst for the rest of the story. And I love America Chavez and for America Chavez, like for him to be like, oh my God, America Chavez, can we team up? Oh my God, I love you. And then for America to be like, listen, girl, like I love you. <laughs> Uh, but you're only going to get in the way because you have no superpowers and uh, maybe you should, you know, stick to the, the railways or whatever you do. Devastating. I was, I felt the pain uh, that Aaron felt there in those pages. Oh yeah. It was a lot of fun to write America Chavez. We've, uh, I think in the pride issue, there's a big pinup of them kind of walking side by side and one of the, the big splash pages. And I knew there was a story to tell kind of between the two of them, but there's such an imbalance, right? America Chavez is one of the powerhouses of the Marvel Universe. And uh, at least at the beginning of the story, uh, you know, Aaron just kind of a skinny kid who, uh, you know, in his last appearance, he got shot. So um, <laughs> I think she's looking out for him, just giving him a little tough yeah. love. In, in her own way. It's great. Hey, you know, you, you mentioned that, but like, I, I want to, reiterate for anybody who hasn't read it yet. And again, this is, these are issues uh, 49 through 54 of love unlimited. And it is so this issue, the first issue in particular, so stacked, Mm -hmm. but like genuinely naturally part of, of the tapestry of it all with queer heroes and queer characters. It is just like, what a time that we have pages and pages, a stacked room full of characters who are queer. And it's just, they are the heroes who are here. That is that is it's just natural that we have these characters and it's great and it's really important to be able to see them hang out together, doing their thing, going off on big heroic adventures to save the freaking world. Yeah. And then also like flirting, bantering. Oh my god. Like, oh you writing uh Raz Mahaltra made me crack <laughs> up that he only likes tall guys. I so good. That whole oh, sequence was amazing. Oh. Like there, there isn't just interactions about superhero fighting. Like when he's flirting, oh. like he goes up to all these different like male like characters, and he just gets denied after like one after another. And it is so funny to see that, and it's it's such a like treat to see it in the sense that like we don't get a lot of that as as like a someone who is queer to like you know see those small interactions. Like I I come to these superhero books for you know the action and like the big storytelling, but it's these moments that like. I can truly see my my reflection in, you know, and and see the pain and like see just like the the digs and like just laugh. And it's it's fun because it's it's my community. It's, you know, what I see outside my window. Um, but I got to say, bringing Stryker back into like from Avengers <laughs> Academy was just chef's kiss. Uh, is that a is that a favorite character of yours? Oh, like, my God. I love Avengers Academy. Um, same. Such a great run. And I love all those characters, um, you know, Hazmat, Striker, Cloud9, yes. the whole gang. Oh, my um, God, Cloud9. And so it was really fun to bring him back in. You know, I think a lot of us just, um, you know, the X-Men are kind of queer as hell, and we love them for that. But people don't really realize the Avengers book has, uh, the Avengers books, yeah. the whole line, has so many important queer characters. And it's just really exciting to kind of put them all under one roof. And even the ones I included, you know, like Jacob O., or, uh, you know, North Star and Kyle or Stryker, you know, there's like, there's another dozen more just waiting there. I, I've got my D-Man story to tell someday. Yes, 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 yes. yes Make it yes, happen. Yes. Um, uh, what, I, what I was alluding to before, and you kind of already talked about it, you mentioned it, was that like, we get Aaron Fisher, you know, spoiler for anybody who hasn't finished it. Like, if you haven't read this before coming to this chat, like, go do it now. Like, it'll take you less than an hour to, to like, read all these um, and you can join an amazing conversation about this. But we get Aaron Fisher finally get superpowers, which I think is something that I like Ryan and I were talking. We we're like, we can do that. Like we were like th- that was something that I didn't see coming at all. It just it's a it's felt organic, which I thought was cool. But also like I was just blown away. Was that something from the beginning that you wanted to do with Aaron Fisher? Like, did you want him to have the superpowers? Yeah. So um 
You know, uh, it was kind of a dream when he first originally appeared. I thought it was important to kind of have some adventures with him without powers. I think that's really true to kind of the spirit of the United States of Captain America. But also, like, I want him to be a vibrant character in the Marvel Universe. And since he doesn't have, he wasn't trained in the Red Room like Natasha. You know, he wasn't, wasn't, uh, didn't go in the army like Bucky. He's still a kid. And so how do you make him kind of a a player? How do you make him be the hero that I know he is? And for me, giving him powers was just kind of natural, but I wanted to make sure it was the right power, right? Didn't necessarily want to give him like electric powers like Striker or Grow Giant. It had to be something that kind of worked thematically. And, you know, Aaron's really a scrapper. And so the idea of having kind of a force field that both protects him and potentially protects others and allows him to kind of redirect that energy back at the attacker. For me, felt like really powerful. And like, that's something I think the queer community has. We have that resilience. And I wanted something that would embody that. I love that. That's so well done. I wanted to, to shift gears, talk a little bit about your, uh, your artistic collaborator here, Kara McGee, who so, so much fun. There is a... Uh, a lightness and a vibrancy and sometimes some silliness to this book, which I think helps balance all the, like the really intense, serious stuff that Aaron and uh, Jeremy are going through and everything that's going on um, in their hometown and all this stuff. But like, I was Kara, the one putting in the little, I, I don't, not necessarily sound effects, but little like the OMG inside someone's that. mouth. Oh my or, God. That I have that as my phone back screen right now. Oh, it's so good. Or like the, <laughs> Oh no, behind Aaron's head at one point, I was like, you know, like that's a, such a great way to, to tell that story. It's something that we don't do a lot at Marvel. And I think Kara probably comes from a, a different background of, of comic storytelling. And I really, I think that the book benefits from her coming in and, and putting some of those flourishes and like it, the end of issue number 50, the very end, if you scroll all the way to the bottom, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's the shot of Jeremy. Uh, and, um, He's like, meanwhile, Jeremy, and he's like freaking out. I cracked up. I was sitting in like uh, the waiting room for waiting for my car to get done and I'm reading it and just dying. So I don't good. think we've seen that in any of the other Infinity comic books, like almost like a like a post credit scene. And it was a treat. Yeah, there's like a playfulness to Kara's style. We worked together on a comic years ago. And so this was like a lovely reunion. But like, you know, the script, I think, as it originally read was kind of a little was heavier, right? And um, our editors, Caitlin and Alana, they really kind of thought carefully about who would be a good fit. And they wanted someone who could pull out that, that humor and that heart that we, she knew was there in the script, but maybe needed the right artist to kind of uh, spotlight it. And I just love working with Kara, you know, one of the most talented artists I've ever had the pleasure to, to team up with. And just, um, you know, seeing her rendition of all these Marvel heroes, whether it be like Gwenpool, the background, or Captain America. She's obviously been a big Stephen Stephen Bucky super fan for all these years, if you don't know her. Uh, so this was like a dream fulfilled. She crushed it. So good. She did. So and like good. the little like emojis that she makes of like not only just Aaron Fisher, but, of, but Ariel uh, Agbayani, the uh, Ariel yes. ones. <sighs> I love I, I also just love that. You know, when you when you came on the show last year to talk about uh Aaron Fisher, you you mentioned that this is a friendship that, you know you and Alyssa Wong have kind of cultivated between these two characters. And like, we keep seeing instances of it throughout other Marvel books and seeing it here, just like it warmed my heart that like, I just love that they're still besties and they're just keeping in touch and like, we're like looking out for each other. Oh yeah. They're BFFs. And you know, um, these infinity comics are a little, you know, they're shorter than a standard comic for sure, but that's the fun. They're like these bite-sized chunks. Um, but I hope, uh, hope someday to kind of spotlight some of the other um, Captain Americas from the United States of Captain America. But also, I just wanted that through line from that friendship they had in the original series. Do they even pop up in Alligator Loki together yeah. uh, kind of as an extended cameo? And so just want to carry that through. There's even an Alligator Loki cameo in this book. Uh, we, we see Aaron Fisher, I believe, drinking out of an Alligator Loki coffee mug. And it's adorable like i love seeing stuff like that oh we just had to do it and um in uh jeremy's bedroom there's a dazzler poster that uh yes. is stunning and i was like can i get the full file of this so i can put it on my wall <laughs> yes 
I also we we need to talk about I, I like when I was reading this uh, while it was coming out. I DM'd you on Instagram because I was like, "Thank you for giving us the term Friends of Dazzler," uh, because if you're not familiar with uh, the phrase, it's it's a play on Friends of Dorothy's, which is a just a, a, you can fall down a rabbit hole on stories about where that phrase came from. But I love seeing the Marvel version of it and having the Friends of Dazzler. Like I I know that there's some history behind how this came to be. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I spitballed a couple other ideas that Stryker would throw by because he's really kind of like, uh, he's kind of, he's quick-witted. He's a little bit sarcastic. And so I wanted him to have something really, really funny to say. And I, I remember, um, you know, not wanting to go with maybe a super traditional route, like saying they're like, uh, super gays or something like that. I was like, we need like something very Marvel universe specific and like, you know, friends of Dorothy carries a lot of like history to it for sure. Um, but I wanted kind of a play on that. And like, obviously in universe, outside of universe, every universe, the dazzler is a queer icon and we stand her. So, uh, yeah. I just wanted to get that in there too. Hopefully uh, people start using us- it elsewhere. <laughs> oh, I, I've, I've started using it. Uh, and people are like, who is Dazzler? I'm like, we can't be friends anymore. How dare you? Um, it's a good barometer for, you know, whether or not to keep friendships. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your love for Dazzler? Yeah. So um, I remember learning about Dazzler, probably the Pride of the X-Men TV special. Yeah, the, the singular one where uh, Wolverine has this insane Australian accent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But Dazzler's in it, and she's in her 80s kind of like outback look with the short jacket and the cool hair. And so I just fell in love with her. And then like maybe like, oh God, 10 years ago, Marvel reprinted uh, all the original Dazzler series and these black and white thick tombs. And I read like the entire thing. And I just love, I love those original comics with her. I love the X-Men comics that she's in. You know, I, I love Exterminators. She has a big role in that. Um, so I just think she's, I just think she's neat. <laughs> she is neat. She is neat. Um, I, I want to talk about the the sort of the boy in this book because this is Love Unlimited and it is a bit of a romance book. Um, and so we get Jeremy, who is Aaron's, uh, you know, first love and who he ran away with. We get all this stuff and like just very cute, floppy haired boy. And I like, I get it. I was like, oh yeah, I, I can see it. <laughs> but like he left our boy alone. And I was like, ugh. But then- but then you you get his story, and I thought the, what, I don't care. What, you, I know <laughs> that might just be the Scorpio in me. Like that might just sure. be the Scorpio in me. But like I, Josh can speak to this. Like I, when when they like kiss in the middle of this when they're reunited, I was like, how I was with you on this one though. I sent him a screenshot, and I was like, Josh, if you break our boy's heart again, you things will not be okay. Yeah, like we, fine. I will have words. I mean, I totally see Aaron as kind of the heartbreaker. That's always been a little bit in his DNA. He's like a romantic character. But like, you know, who broke Aaron's heart is kind of the big question, right? And um, we kind of laid seeds to that in the United States of Captain America, talking about him running away. And I thought the idea that, um, you know, he didn't run away alone. And that, but, you know, that's very true, I think, to a lot of people from like a marginalized groups, people have difficult home lives, you know, it's like you have to get out, but some people don't necessarily have that, that drive or that fear because they have a more comfortable situation and that's not bad. That's just different. And so that's kind of what they're butting heads about, right? Like Aaron feels safer outside of Hastings, Missouri, whereas Jeremy's always had a little bit of comfort there. And so that's like the real tension and Jeremy's a cutie. I th- obviously, I'm Team Aaron, but hundred <laughs> percent. I, I, I wanted to make sure that Jeremy had a real point of view and really like he's working towards a heroic end in his own way. And, and yeah. I think that the point of view is really important, especially you know, like reflecting the world that we live in, and like they should he shouldn't have to leave where he wants to live because of other horrible people. And he's trying to lift his community up, support his community, build the Changing community it from within, change it from within. And like, by the, uh, like in my notes, I write, I wrote, okay, I feel you, Jeremy. Like at one point I was like, I, I get it. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. I thought it would be, you know, interesting and kind of like the twist, right. Is like, you think of Aaron's hometown as being kind of this despicable place. And what if he comes home and it's not like that anymore? What does that mean for Aaron? 
And, you know, like I graduated what high school and there were no queer people whatsoever. And when my sister graduated four years later, there was maybe a dozen queer kids just out and proud. And, you know, that would have changed my experience had I grown up in that environment versus the one I did. And so it is kind of about that generational shift that, you know, in some ways, not all, every way, obviously, um, you know, things have improved for, for queer youth. Obviously not for everyone, but um, for certain communities. The other thing I wanted to add that I thought was, was just really cool to see here in this story is the introduction of this Glenn character. Glenn is this like elder, he's an elder gay, right? Like he's, he's very much been through it um, and he's taken Aaron under his wing and has not only trained him to fight back, um, and boxing, but like we got that little, we got a little bit of like the backstory of like how he's learned how to fight. Like, you know, it's, it's this cool twist on an origin story, but I do think that it's something that's important in the queer community. Like I would be nowhere if it wasn't for like the elder queer people in my life who pushed me, who like, you know, showed me the ropes, um, mm-hmm. who like just empowered me to be me and made space for me, myself. Um, and I, I, I don't think I've seen that in another Marvel comic. Um, And I just wanted to thank you for that. Uh, But I'm also curious if, you know, there's a Glenn in your life. Yeah. um, Great question. You know, there's a lot of like, when I first moved uh, to LA, I had a lot of people who were kind of looking, looking out for me, whether they would just kind of guide me towards maybe uh, better people to surround myself with, or they'd invite me to, to a party or a mixer where I could meet people my own age, but meet like-minded friends. And like, I think we have an obligation, right? Because we don't, Mm -hmm. it's all found family, these communities that we create for ourselves. And I think we need to do better about kind of like connecting with one another and being kind of uh, unified in that way. But like, I remember um, my first job out of high school was I was working at Disneyland and I wanted to work somewhere with spoiler alert, gay people. And there are not, there's no shortage of them there. And I was so happy to find a community because there was nothing like that in my hometown at all. And that was part of, that was part of why I took on that job. But, you know, I made so many powerful friendships and so many older, older queer people kind of like took me under their wing. And I think that's, yeah, I just think that's vital. Before we move on from that point, I do have to say, um, you are a part of like one of the coolest comic book queer groups that I've ever met. Like I, I fangirl every time I see you or Terry Bloss post updates on what you guys are doing, but it's you, I believe Cena Grace, Terry Bloss. (laughs) It's like all these comic book creators who are queer and like, you guys are always hanging out and look like you're having the best time. And I'm like, I want to be friends with you guys. Like it's like the X slack and this group. I'm like, I want adventures. I want stories of adventures from this group and what you guys are up to. Yeah, you know, um, that's something that's really important to me as a, as a queer creator. You know, just like I didn't know any queer people when I graduated high school. You know, I didn't know any other queer comic people for many, many years. And it can be a little isolating and you get a little, um, you can get a little envy, you know, professional jealousy sometimes. And once you get to know someone, I feel like all of that completely washes away. We support each other's books. We kind of want to sneak in each other's characters in our stories. Um, I know uh, Terry included uh, one of my characters from Hulkling and Wiccan in his his new Runaways arc that launched this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, it just we're just trying to uplift each other and make each other's stories better, and also like leave leave a, uh, like a big thumbprint on the Marvel universe that makes it more inclusive and more vibrant. That's awesome. I I, I see Jasmine. This was your secret all along. I'm trying to yes. Can I, can I join your group? I'll move to LA. I mean, you're always welcome in Palm Springs. Yes. Uh, I want to, you know, there's a big plot in here with what's going on in in Aaron's hometown. I don't want to give any of that away. I think it's, it's cool. I, I like the who's in, who's behind everything, how it all shakes out, but I want to push ahead to the ending because, you know, Josh, you already mentioned in this story, Aaron gets powers and he, he gets this really thoughtful power set and, and the way that works, but also like the ending when he's with 
Sam and Steve and the way they're with him. And there's like this big brother vibe and there's like the elbowing and like the someday Avengers bit and all this stuff. And like Sam's like, keep pissing off the billionaires. Like those, those moments, that camaraderie, that like connection and feeling of, yeah, he's got, uh, he's got these communities that he's been fighting for, but now he's finding these new communities. I think it's something really hopeful and really wonderful to see for Aaron Fisher. Yeah. You know, um, for years, Captain America, these books have actually been like secretly, like very queer friendly, you know, Steve Rogers, childhood best friend, Arnold uh, was a gay guy. He passed away in the Mark, I think the Mark Greenwald run, but, um, and then we have Roger Aubrey, who is one of these like, important legacy characters to the Captain America, the Invaders mythos. And only, you know, have we been able to spotlight kind of his queer identity in recent years. Um, but I just wanted to, uh, you know, I like to lead with my heart in a lot of my comic work. And I love this idea that Steve and Sam are always going to look out for Aaron and kind of guide him to whatever the next step of his adventures are. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Um, I, there's one last thing I really wanted to point to is the uh, the trading card at the end <laughs> of the run, which is like the Marvel Universe Series 2 is my all-time favorite, like one of my all-time favorite Marvel things. I've, I, I love them so much. So seeing Aaron get his own card in that style in the front and back was glorious. Oh, that was a must for me. I was like, once we decided, once we agreed on what the powers would be and that he was going to, you know, become a superhero... Uh, I was like, can we, can we give him a trading card? And they were so, they were so game for it. Um, I loved coming up with what his power stats are, all this, all this nerdy stuff that I just remember, you know, going through the, my cards in the nineties and comparing like Aurora's energy projection versus like Modoc's intelligence or whatever it was. Um, as we, as we begin to wrap up, I wanted to, to quickly ask, uh, I mean, it's been a year since we last spoke to you about specifically about Aaron Fisher. I'm curious how much you've seen the character evolve or like the legacy of the character. Like, I mean, you've been doing conventions. I've seen pictures of people do cosplay. Like how, what's the impact look like out there? No, it really feels meaningful. I, you know, I get tagged by uh, cosplayers on Instagram a lot. I, when I go to conventions, I see the occasional cosplayer. And more importantly, a lot of people come up to me and tell me how much the character means to them. And a lot of people tell me that Aaron is their first character. They saw him on the news or they saw a friend told them about him. And now they just want, they just want more. And, you know, he plays an important role in the United States of Captain America. But the idea that he gets to tell his own stories and be the hero is like really exciting. And I just hope all those fans like appreciate the work we've put into it. I love that. What's next for Aaron Fisher or like what, what do you got cooking up over here? Oh gosh, I'm always dreaming of more Aaron Fisher, but um, I will say he has another appearance coming up. He's in good hands, so you can look forward to that. But I, it's not my my not my news to share. Uh, so his his journey is far from over. Um, but I'm sure you'll see me on the fringes of the Marvel universe trying to make it gayer and gayer and gayer. Please I love do. It. Yes, I also love that you've just been tackling all these love stories like one by one. Oh, I could do romance comics forever. It's so yes. funny. Marvel has such a grand tradition of doing romance comics and yeah. like getting to do a few of them with Hulkling and Wiccan and now Aaron, like give me a character and I'll break their heart. Like <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. Um well, Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Um where can people find more from you? Sure. You can find me on social media at lost his keys, man. I lost my keys, man. Um, and that's the best way to keep up uh, with, with what's coming out. I've got a really busy fall ahead of me and I'm just uh, so stoked that people can finally read Aaron Fisher. We've been working on it for a year now. I'm so excited for the legends and loves of Baron Von Struben, Washington's gay general. Uh, ever since you promoted it on your social uh, media, I've, I, I can't wait to get my hands on that book, um, as well as Pool Boys, which I'm mad that I, I missed the, the Kickstarter <laughs> on that. Um, so You'll if get your it's chance. not too late, let me know. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to slide you a United States of Captain America and a Pool Boys in your inbox yes. uh, soon. Um, yes. But, you know, uh, we, you know, Aaron Fisher is a loosely patriotic queer figure, and it was fun to write a, a nonfiction graphic novel about a real historic uh, patriotic revolutionary war figure and 
you know, that it took about four years of writing and research and back and forth to finally make that story a reality. So I hope people really give it a chance and uh, bug their local comic shops and also bug their local libraries. I'm on it. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'll come back for any reason or no reason at all. <laughs> yes. Big thanks once again for Josh coming back on the show and talking about some damn fine comic books there with Love Unlimited, Aaron Fisher. Yes. I Like Josh and I, like we just connect. He gets it. Avengers Academy, like he gets it. He wants these characters to come back. And I'm like, please do it, please. Um, but also I wanted to quickly highlight that coming to Marvel Unlimited this week is Marvel's Voices Runaways Infinity Comic Issue 59, which is the Terry Bloss story that Josh was talking about. Woohoo! Uh, check all that out and so much more as you dig into your comics. Have fun. Be good to each other. That's it for us. This episode of Marvel's Pullers was produced by Ryan Plagos and Jasmine Strong. Brad Barton is Pullers Senior Manager of Audio Production and Development. Joe DeBoff is our Director of Audio. Make sure to email us over at pullist.marvel.com. Uh, make sure you mark it okay to read. Shout out your local comic book store there. Or you can hit us up over on socials, including Twitter and Instagram, where you can use the hashtag Marvel's Pullist and hashtag okay to read Pullist. Um, make sure to rate and subscribe. Give us those five wonderful stars because uh, you love us and we love you. And we can make an entire Infinity Comic together. For more information and full quote of the week contest rules, go to marvel.com slash pullist quote rules. Terms and conditions apply. Open to U.S. residents 18 and up. Marvel Insider is open to U.S. residents 18 plus only. Terms apply. Visit marvel.com slash insider to join or sign in to answer the Marvel's Pullist quote of the week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jasmine. This is Marvel. Your universe. Pride Month never ends.